Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today's show uh, is a continuation in our series on how to survive through crisis and adversity. Dr. Bernstein, Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with over 48 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. I'm just waking up, clearing my head. Jenny, in her introduction, said it all. I mean, that, that really says it all. That's sort of a launch, I guess. It's a good one. It's a good one. And I hope today what we talk about reaches people that are in need and uh, need some answers, some encouragement, support, and hope from people that, from us, we have the experience. We've helped a lot of people in the years recover from crisis and trauma and get back on their feet better than they ever were. Um, and we have too, and we still do. So we don't want to come across as someone that's so removed from what we're talking about. We too face these things, and uh, with all my experience and all my degrees and credentials, that doesn't protect me at all from real life, and that's the best lesson of them all, just to be a fellow traveler and human being with all of you and share some of my experiences and hopefully... uh, give you some answers and some encouragement to keep moving forward. But anyway, we got a theme today. And uh, what's the theme, Jenny? Our theme is Facing Crisis, Discovering Faith in the Indomitable Human Spirit. That is a great title. Yeah, we mm-hmm. can go with that for sure. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. And and if I, can, if I may, uh, I'd like to start by taking us back Gosh, it's about 10 years. And uh, about 10 years ago, our country, so many people, were caught up in a a recession, a significant recession that touched almost everyone, I believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, it came to even be called the Great Recession. And during that time, uh, we ourselves and the clients that we were working with all were touched in one way or another by this time in our country's life. And out of that experience personally for you and what you saw in, in your practice and in the community around mm-hmm. you, right. you took time to uh, kind of put down some of your thoughts and uh, ideas about what this crisis, this recession, this experience was like and how to navigate your way through it successfully and come out the other side with some, not only just surviving it or or making it through, but to use it as a way to grow and to deepen uh, yourself personally, deepen your faith, deepen your connections with other people and with your own humanity. Mm-hmm. So... Out of those thoughts and uh, experiences, we want to bring together here a, a series, I think, of messages, uh, just really putting those thoughts, really crystallizing them, putting them out, giving them people, because today people are going through real-life crises. Mm-hmm. Some of them are financial, just as they were then. 
Some might be uh, health crises. It might be a crisis in a relationship. It could be any number of things. Right. So we know what we have to offer is of great value. I think so. And I, I think one of the, I'm glad you went all the way back. I wasn't going to do that because it's so painful to look back to that. <laughs> we took some very big hits. Uh, I'd been through that before uh, in New Jersey. I had another lived another life before I became what I am today. Um, so yes, I know what crisis is, and I know what it is to get back on your feet after losing everything. I was younger, and uh, it sure advanced my maturity. It wasn't by choice. But when I look, it's interesting that you're going back there. I would, I would say we did. We wrote a book at that time called Trauma Healing: The Hidden Epidemic. We put, we wrote papers that were published professionally. We wrote in the local newspapers, and there was a reason. And the reason was that I saw how petrified everyone around me was. Um, it was personal. It was uh, in our community. It was worldwide. And one of the things I realized is that doesn't help. But people didn't know what to do. They'd never, uh, as a community at large, no one had been stripped to that degree before in such a in such a great pro- population. Um, I have been, changed my life, uh, went back to school, got a PhD in clinical psychology, did a lot of things, worked in prisons, did, did a lot of things that were so removed from where I had begun. But it was a time, an eye-opener for me to decide what my real calling was going to be, and it, it did definitely drew, drew upon uh, some very difficult times and experiences and losses and pain. But at the same time, it opened me up, it stripped me, it made me face myself and the truth about who I was, the way I was living, what I was surrounding myself with, and what my values at that time were, and they weren't great at all. They were just what I was used to. So it was time to, certainly for not a chosen reevaluation, but it was definitely a time for that. I brought this issue up to date, and I remember thinking at that time, no one is immune from being touched by this great recession. Those who thought, I remember used to think, those people who think they're removed because they have a lot of money or they're, they're not as broken as others were in denial. We were all touched in some way. Um, and anyone who was believing they weren't were, was deluding themselves. But I brought that up to date in my own mind about real life today. We're not in a great recession, although the long-range impact of it has certainly continued in some ways. No question about it. I agree. It certainly has in my life, uh, in many other people's lives. It's not like it all of a sudden the effects of it disappeared. But everybody had to move on, and that was a good thing. But the impact of that has not been totally forgotten, and it shouldn't be either. But when I think back on that, I also realize about life. And uh, we can all live in some kind of fantasy about life and uh, we make up fantasies about how to cope and how good it's going to be, what our expectations are and fantasies about the life we'd like to have for ourselves. And some of that's good, but not if we bury ourselves in it and deny a full understanding of life, that there's going to be challenges, there's going to be crises, there's going to be difficulties and traumatic events. We don't have to choose them. It doesn't even have to be our fault, but they come anyway. And I think that the things that we learned in that Great Recession follow 
right through to today, and that is no one is immune from the difficulties of life, the crises, the, we call crises traumatic events, yes. um, and that's what they are. And it's a completely different reality, but it hits all of us at some point. Absolutely. And no one likes to admit that that's going to happen. Uh, I don't think we have to really look forward to it. No. That would be a, not a very good fantasy that's either. not realistic either. No. That one, people, I've seen people do that, have a, that have post-traumatic stress, and they're always expecting catastrophic events. And they're living it out like it's happening today. That is not what we're talking about. No. No. That's no. a fantasy, too. That's yeah. a negative fantasy that's been imprinted in our nervous systems. And we deal with a lot of people that carry those, and mm -hmm. it distorts their everyday functioning. Mm -hmm. So that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. What we're talking about is uh, a, an extraordinary reality when it hits um, that has its own set of experiences when they come um, that we have to survive and endure. And when they come... Most of the time, they're not expected. Sometimes, if it's a health issue, it's a loss of a loved one or a sickness, oh, we can, in some ways, be prepared. But honestly, when it finally hits, no one's pr truly prepared. Um, it's a tough time. That's what we're talking about, and that's part of life. Is it a complete destructive action or episode in life? And the answer is it does not have to does be. does not have to be. Not at all. But when it hits, it has its own impact it, it immediate impact uh, and that that's really something that's so powerful and so overwhelming that we have no control and the things that we normally depend on whether we're aware of it or not for security and believing that we've planned out our lives or in a certain way that we can avoid difficulties and catastrophes well guess what none of that will hold in a crisis and a traumatic event um, you have the short-term traumatic events, which are shock events, or you have the long-term crises, and you could have uh, a long-term chronic illness that eventually is going to lead to death. There's a lot of things that happen over a long period of time that are continuous crises, and we'll talk about the difference in those in a minute, because both of those can be coped with, um, not with pleasant I'm not talking about pleasant things. You're going to feel yeah. the pain, the difficulty, and the suffering. But there are ways to make it through. And yes. there's a familiar understanding that it's really important to have. It's good to hear about it from other people. I'll tell you what, the best way to understand it is going through it yourself and coming out the other side. There's nothing like that experience. You'll never go to a college or get higher education that's going to prepare you for that. You have to go through it. But you do come through the other side, many people. And uh, I certainly have been one of them. We've helped hundreds if not thousands of people come through and recover from trauma and actually become better than they ever would have been if they hadn't gone through it. That isn't something you tell them in the beginning, though. That would be kind of insensitive, no. to say the least. No. It's helping people get through it yeah. and dealing with how to survive it, mm -hmm. that we have to be able to come through and come alongside them. So, you know, we understand this, the sensitivities of the situation. I'll go over some of the characteristics quickly. Um, the first thing is when the events happen, it's out of our control. We can't be prepared for it. There's an overwhelming power to the experience that we just have to survive. At the time, it is so consuming. The fear is so intense. The action that's called for is so immediate 
it feels like it's a life and death challenge. It may not be literally life and death, but it certainly feels like it. The emotions run very high. And uh, the fears, the anxieties, well, they're not the normal everyday fears and anxieties. They're so much more intense, so much more overwhelming and, and uh, powerful that they're an they're a experience unto themselves. And the other thing is the realization and the revelation during it that we have no control whatsoever. We just have to survive it and get through it. That's all we care about making it from moment to moment, second to second, uh, whether it's ourselves or a loved one or people that are threatened or jeopardized, uh, their lives, their safety, their well-being. Um, that's what we have to relate to. Does that continue on? I, I don't think so. But there are also the chronic, not just that's a shock trauma I described, um, but there's also the chronic ongoing crises that are traumatic that we also have to learn to adjust to. And I know that we have, uh, we're going to have a break. Yeah, why don't we, why don't we come the, back to yeah, this? Yeah, and, and because we're going to really dive into this when we get back. Okay. Yes, yeah, so you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Before our break, Peter was beginning to describe um, the experience of crisis, what it feels like to be in one. And Peter, you were mentioning an overwhelming sense of, of consuming fear, far beyond just everyday anxieties and fears. And also uh, the experience of being feeling just out of control not only maybe of the events around you, but of what's going on inside yourself as well, and that these characteristics are, are, are common across any, almost any type of crisis you could talk about, whatever the event might be, whether it's short-term or long-term. Right. Could you maybe expand on this? Yeah. I was thinking about another characteristic that comes with it, and that's called, if you look at it clinically, which I don't like to do anymore, there's a th another part of us that's called a disassociative part that happens during that time. There's a part that we almost leave our bodies, and we're watching this thing happen and going through it at the same time. That's another part of the survival mechanism. That's not some sick thing, as long as you're doing the appropriate action to get through it. We need that. We are in a different state of being at that point. Uh, it's like a lot of the... the we have a, a nonprofit for veterans, and they're families and caregivers and they they go through this in, in in battle all the time where they have to be removed and they're not in a reflective state they're in a state of seeing atrocities they're in a state of seeing such an extraordinary reality every day uh, we've dealt with navy steels they deal with more of these than any other i think any other branch other than the uh Marine, what's it, Force One? Recons. Recon, they, they also go through it. But what we've seen uh, with these folks, and what they have to be removed. They can't sit there and reflect and ponder on the value and purpose of all of this. They've got to survive it. They've got to have survival skills. They're going to reach situations that they are, 
They're, none of their training will prepare them for it. Navy SEALs were the best what we've seen so far to think at the time. They have the training, but also to think quickly what's in, what you're going to need to do. Get very creative quickly. And they can do it. We've seen it so many times. Well, the, the, the point of this is there's a time that your nervous system, your autonomic response system, goes into automatic, and it goes into hyper alert, and it should. And that's where it should be because everything is in crisis mode and trauma mode. Um, interesting about the Navy SEALs, we know a lot of them. They think it's a, sometimes a way of life. They're so used to it. <laughs> that's where they want to be. <laughs> yeah, and they don't think it's traumatic. They think it's just it's, a, it's life, and they know how to deal with it. They're incredible that way. But some of them that we know don't know how to step out of it either. It could and, benefit them to yeah, step out of it a bit. Yeah, and um, that's part of my job and part of my calling is to tell them there really is another reality here, yeah. and you could mellow out a little bit. When I say that at the wrong time, it doesn't go well. Oh, no. No. So um, <laughs> they've looked at me at times like, I'm crazy, and what do I know? Yeah. But I tell them I've been there too. I know what they're going through, but I know over many, many years, getting the appropriate support and help and experiences of life that you can develop another reality to balance it out and come back to a more um, self-regulating way of life and knowing when you should be that way and when you don't need to be that way. But anyway, we do have those mechanisms. They're called for in crisis and trauma. We need them. Um, in a sh really, where it comes to where, where everybody realizes, in shock trauma, shock events, uh, we've seen so many on TV now with terrorist attacks and threats. Uh, we've seen so many tri uh, uh, crises with natural events that have been happening uh, we know that most people are familiar with shock trauma, whether they've gone through it or seen it, and other people going through it, they're it's, familiar. It's the trauma. When you ask people uh, what they think of as trauma, it usually is something like a shock trauma. Yeah, that's correct. There's other trauma, too. And uh, life events can come into your life that are ongoing trauma. And um, that's another experience altogether in one sense. You better make some adjustments because if you stay constantly in the hyper alert, hyper arousal state, you're going to burn out. Your system is not geared to being on that intensity 24-7. I think about, um, I was in a, uh, at a support, a support group for caregivers of, uh, for loved ones who have Alzheimer's, dementia, strokes, and whatever. The really remarkable thing is the horrible effect it has on the caregivers and loved ones over an extended period of time. Why? Because they're in the trauma mode, crisis mode, 24-7. Yes. My take on it, and I've certainly been there too, is you can't stay that way. If you're going to be effective and hang in there for the long haul, there's kind of got to be a, an acceptance that begins to happen, that this is real, this isn't going to go away. It's not going to have a good outcome. Um, and I've got to survive it. And I've got to help other people survive it. So there's an adjustment that begins to go with it where our mentality has to shift to the events, the ongoing events long term of being in a crisis mode, in a trauma mode. We've become experts at that. And I don't say that in a self, an egotistical mode. I wish I could because then I could be so removed from it. I'm going through it too with my own wife. I've gone through it with so many other people, but to tell you the truth, 
when it's your own beloved, that's a whole other experience. There's, there's, Completely. it's much different. And all the skills and abilities and experience I have, in some ways, don't prepare me for when my soulmate and loved one is going through such an incredible trial. But it's given me a deeper empathy and understanding for the caregivers in life. They're an incredible breed. And it's an incredible calling as a profession, to be honest with you. But I'm beginning to understand what you have to do to survive. And can you become, during this time, reflective? Can you discover deeper meaning and purpose? Can you actually take a break every once in a while, personally, and get a, what they call a respite break, a mini vacation? And it may be an hour or two. And the answer is you have to. I heard a lady yesterday, funny thing she was talking about, and she's taking care of her husband. And um, she was describing in the group her respite break, that she's figured out that she's allowed 15 to 20 minutes a day to take a shower by herself alone without worrying about her husband. Okay, that sounds okay. But then she just started to talk about the shower head and that she's changed the shower head that it has a softer kind of intensity to it. This lady really, I mean, you this could hear important. it. This was important. It was so really important to her. And I said, and I couldn't help it. I said, these little things, they really mean a lot. And she looked at me and she said, they mean everything. And she was so sweet about it and cute. But what you realize is she was appreciating this break. And that little logistical shift meant so much to keep her going yeah that's one of the things you learn when you're going through long-term trauma traumatic events um is how to to survive it how to actually um develop an appreciation and a gratitude for the little things because they matter because you're going to have to go back to the crisis and the trauma very quickly but it's what you have made yourself open to um, allowing yourself to be open to to get a little bit of restoration that's going to carry you. Now, this is for the long-term trauma. Shock trauma has no room for that. It comes after the event is over. And we ha that's when you come to that point of decompressing. And that's when you have time to reflect. Um, I want to say this for people who are supportive caregivers and loved ones. It's a, there is a sensitivity to it. You may mean well. But if you come there in the midst of a crisis to tell people there's going to be a meaning and purpose to all of this, God help you. Mm -hmm. Because that's a really inappropriate thing to do. When people are in the midst of it, what they want to know is, if you're going to support me, tell me how to get through the next minute of mm -hmm. this, how to survive it, what I can do to make it through. Tell me from your wisdom and experience how to do that. I don't really care about reflecting and pondering right now about the meaning and purpose of life. Right. That's very important for supportive folks. I've had more people, I've seen it. I have people come across uh, alongside me, but I've seen them come alongside others, and it's sometimes jolting. And I remember I was in church one day, and I know a nice couple from Russia. They've been through a lot themselves. They're gone now. And somebody in the church had lost their husband, I think it was, or their wife. I can't remember the details. But this Russian couple tend to be very strong type of Russians, and they came alongside very religious people, and they said, well, you should feel really good now that your loved one is in heaven with God. 
And I got to tell you, I almost went through the floor at that moment, thinking, holy mackerel. Mm. These people, this person is in the midst of such intense, traumatic grief that that really isn't going to make a total impact right now. What these folks need is sensitivity right now for some caring, compassionate empathy for the pain and grief they are going through, period. Yes. And when some people who mean well, and this Russian couple, I know they meant well, were very insensitive folks that way. I did take them aside, and I was a lot younger than they were, and I remember them, they were friends of mine, and I go, hey, that's not a good way to go right now. She needs our support and love right now. She's in such pain and so fearful and so feel, but filled with loss. That's what you got to relate to. Yes. This folk, these people felt terribly bad about it. Oh, they sure. immediately they met well. They, they met did. Well. They correct. Well, meaning but, well isn't but good it enough. Isn't enough sometimes. No, we see that too much. People who mean well, no. they don't always do the best. But these folks made the correction as quickly as they could. Yeah. They felt so bad, and they didn't know. They met well, but they didn't. No, have the it's sense like it's like if you come along, uh, come across someone who's just been injured physically mm-hmm. in some way. They're bleeding, or mm-hmm. they've got a broken bone, and you tell them, "Oh, look." This is going to heal. Yeah. This this is not going to plague you. And instead, you need a band aid, an emergency vehicle. You need something else. That's what you need in the moment. That's right. And and there are times when you can say, "This isn't going to last forever," and you're going to come out the other side. Sometimes that's appropriate, and other times it's not. Mm-hmm. Right now, give them the band aid. Give them the a medical attention. Yeah. Give them the emotional attention that they need at the moment. That's the more immediate Be with them in this moment in what they need and where they are. That's the appropriate response. Later on, though, we'll talk about that in a minute. I think we're ready for a break. We'll talk about um, what other things need to happen. That sounds good. What can be done. Let's do that. You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And Peter, before we return to how to help people both right in the midst of a crisis and then as they are recovering from it, I want to back up just for a moment to pick up something I think you mentioned to me was important to remember, which is that during a crisis, uh, we are flooded with emotion, with this intense fear, the feeling of being out of control, um, due to what's happening right now in the present. But what can also complicate this is that those types of experiences also tend to draw up old experiences, old memories, old emotions that we maybe haven't dealt with and worked through, and that adds even more to the intensity of what you feel and experience. You must be a mind reader. Because I was just sitting here going... We've been working together gotta, a long yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> really. Because I'm just going through... I better go backtrack here and talk about just what you're talking You're talking about triggering. Yes. And um, that's a very common experience, uh, particularly for people who have had past experience, traumatic experiences. Um, there's a residue uh, that may not have healed. There's other people that have healed. It, you know, I'll tell you the truth. You put it all together in a certain way, 
it can it, come back. It comes back. There is what we learned about recovery, trauma recovery is there isn't a cure. There is healing. But what you're talking about is really important because we see it happen so often. The cur- current present day crisis and trauma triggers old emotional memories, reactions, and whatever from the past of old trauma. And that seems to begin, and it floods the current experience. We call it contaminating the current experience. It happens to a lot of people. Um, We know how to deal with it. I'll tell you that because we've had to learn ourselves with our own people, with ourselves and our own staffing. Um, That it happens. It's common. But the point is it can be very interfering and it can bring up old reactions that aren't appropriate for the present. Um, It's an interesting thing to talk about triggering. There are different kinds of reactions to triggering, too. There's folks that in traumatic experiences um, are traumatized, too, but they are people of action. And they, in the midst of it, don't let the... The trauma doesn't seem to stop them. It seems to uh, stimulate them into action, to find out what we can do to survive it, what needs to be done right now. And they are leaders, no question about it. There's so many examples, classic examples, um, of that kind of thing. I can think of so many, and I'll get to that in a minute. There are others that go into the freeze response, the fight. You've heard about the fight or flight. Well, there's also the freeze. And for those folks, they go back into that old place, and it stops appropriate action in the present. They feel paralyzed. Paralyzed. And that's not a good response. That's not effective no. at all. No. And it makes the current situation much worse. These are the folks that don't come through well. These are the folks that stay stuck in the impact of the trauma and live as victims of it. It takes someone who is a person of action, a man or woman, um, to come alongside someone like that, and particularly if they're there in the midst of the crisis, to get them into action, to get them shifted into the present and get through it. When we, going back to what you, how you started, when the Great Recession, I hate to use the word great because it was miserable, happened, we saw more people go into, they were petrified. Yes. Um, they were victims of the banks coming down on them. It was almost like they were hit in a way they weren't used to, and it was intense. And they blamed themselves. They blamed themselves. They thought they were worthless. They thought that they failed. They thought it was their fault. Uh, They were in a pit of despair and discouragement and petrification. Well, it took me to wake up, and I didn't go sleep to sleep doing it, I can tell you that. But from my past experience, I saw that and go, now's the time, even, and I'm in the midst of it myself, to start writing some papers for the newspaper, articles, to start writing a book, to start writing professional papers for folks that need it now to get moving and to realize what they have to do to not just survive this, but to overcome the impact of all this, to not allow themselves to be victimized and bullied, to know that, yes, they may have lost everything that they counted on, but it's not the end of the story, that they will get through it, but they need some help right now. And I remember when we wrote some papers from professional journals that told us at the time, I'll never forget this, well, once you do that, you can't put it in papers. They would hold the copyright. Right. Yes. And what I said is then it's not going to be published by you because that's not going to reach the people who are in need. And we pulled some papers. We wrote enough of them, then enough of them got published. But we said no way. 
and we went to the newspapers and gave it to them and said, this needs to be in the public eye right now. Mm-hmm. And every, I think every place we went published. They published. Yeah, a lot of them where they condensed it. But it was, that's where we wanted it to be. And to this day in our community, I have so many friends and supportive, loving human beings who've never forgot what we did for them. And to tell you the truth, well, you know, things shift. They're there for me now. And when I have needs with my wife, who they love, and who is a great inspiration and testimony to them, they're there for me. They volunteer to help. Um, They're loving. They're sweet. They're compassionate. They're empathetic. That came, much of it came from what we did for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Our book helped. Now, i got to say, when we did this, it also, we were helping ourselves. Can't lie about it. Because it, it crystallized for us things we're going through, and it really helped us to help others as well. We are doing this broadcast today off of one of those papers we wrote in 2009. And I look at it thinking about all the uh, episodes uh, that we've done. This is our 15th, and we've come a long way. But I look back, You, I think you're the one who discovered the paper that we had written. I remembered it because it was part of a uh, that part of a, another paper that we talked about a, a couple of, of shows ago about uh, the 10, 10 tips for surviving in hard times, and this was the companion paper to it. I forgot about this. That's one thing when you write a lot and you publish a lot, you forget a lot, too. Mm-hmm. And um, I forgot this one, and the minute I read it, I went, wow, this is really good stuff. And I'll tell you why I thought it was good, because it was something people could relate to. We talked about what it feels like to go through all of this, not just labeling it and getting really succinct about it, and, 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 but really talking about what it feels like, how you, the human being feels. And we wanted to do that. This paper did it beautifully. We called it Experiencing Crisis. I told Jenny this morning, if we're going to publish this again and put it on our website, it's got to be something that gives hope too. Not just experiencing crisis, but how about the resilience and the um, hope that comes from it. And we saw the indomitable human spirit rise to the occasion through this. And I want people to know that's what happens. You want to see the power of the human spirit go through hard times. When you're in the midst of it, it's hard to hear that you're going to get through it and there's going to be another day. But it's true. And when people come alongside me in my hurting moments about my wife, people that have gone through it, I, I just think about it, and some sweet, very simple, kind people have gone through what I'm going through, say, don't forget, there really is hope. Don't let your emotional grief um, block that from you. And i got to tell you, it's hard to hear at the time, but it meant so much to me because they're right. Does it stay? That's one of the things in this paper that I read. Well, when you're moving through it, what? It's we, we go in and out. It's like a pulsation type of thing. We have our reflective times, our respite, our time to decompress. But then we go back to the trauma and the crisis. At those times, we can carry with us what we've learned. But at those times, we don't have time to reflect. We have to survive and help our loved ones survive. Right. So it's, an in, it's moving in and out of this experience, the long-term type. The shock traumas, don't worry about it. You're not coming you're out of it, it until it, you're in it. You're in it till until you're it ends. That's right. Yep. Yep. So that's the two different types. But there really is, even with that one, when you finally come through it, there is a time to decompress. 
there is a time that you will be able to reflect on what's happened. You will be able, to, and you need to, by the way, and we really emphasize this, have a way to find a catharsis for the emotional uh, res- residue of the experience. You, if you carry that thing in high intensity, you will have PTS. You can circumvent that if you find way. We use, it's always held in the body. We use a form of uh, body recovery that we've developed over many years. It's not psychotherapy, but it really gets rid of the, the emotional remnant and residue of the experience. Some need a lot more of it if they've had the long-term type of trauma, but it works. But that's not the whole story. So there's, in some ways, that that being able to release that emotional residue is necessary to come to that place you're talking about where you have have come back to yourself. You've you've decompressed. You're not in that hyper alert mode, um, and and you're not going to be reactive in a new situation. That's really what's important: not to let the old emotional states overwhelm you and dictate your present day uh, actions. We know about it. We've seen too many people do that. Uh, it doesn't work. It's it's if you follow your emotions. I'm not talking your feeling state. You're going to go the wrong way most of the time. If you stay in a, in a, in a completely um, God-given feeling state, which is what you want, mm-hmm. that's part of your intuitive abilities to read a situation. You need to be in that place. Yes. But that's what you follow. If you follow your emotional pain and trauma and the impact of that, you're going to go down the wrong road. I'll put money on it. You're going the wrong way. Yeah. So that's something to be aware of. Anyway... Uh, if I could bring up one thing. Go ahead. Yeah, I want you to. One other point that you made in the in the paper we were talking about that I thought was really important yeah. was, and you were talking about the pulsation, you know, in shock trauma, you're in it till you're done. In long term, you're in and out. One of the things that I think is also very similar uh, to both those is that in the experience of crisis, in the moment, you feel like you are, it just exposes your humanity. Mm that you are stripped. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, this goes along with the feeling we talked about earlier about feeling out of control, uh, intense fear. Um, But exposing our humanity, could you kind of fill us in on what you meant by that? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um, We've certainly discovered, and I think we live in that place more than most because we help a lot of people, Um, We're talking about the vulnerability and the stripping that happens during these times. A lot of the things that we do day to day, we're not stripped. We're dependent on a certain kind of control and defensive posturing and uh, persona that we put out. It's not just for other people. It's for us to feel secure and safe. Well, that's one of the illusions. I mean, we need some of it. I'm not trying to make it all wrong. But what I am saying is during a crisis and trauma, that's stripped. You are just vulnerable and your humanity begins to come out whether you like it or not frankly forgive me even though this is my calling in life i don't like it it feels terrible and it is so darn painful and yet particularly someone who's got as much pride as i do (laughs) growing up the way i did pride kept us alive but i'll be honest with you it be it shows you your true humanity the genuineness of who you are the authenticity of who you are. It also shows other people that too. I live for that today. When I'm in the when I'm in the presence of people like that, I thrive. I found a, a brother or sister right there, 
and I love it. The authenticity, uh, what they've learned, and how real they are now, and the value they place on that. Interestingly, I've seen people that you would figure they're done. They're paraplegics. They've been in, in, in terrible catastrophic accidents, deadly health issues. Um, you look at them and all you say, you just want to feel sorry for them, and your heart breaks. Well, I'll tell you what, some of the most incredible people I know are in those states, and they are astoundingly authentic, wise, genuine people. They're a testimonial to the human spirit. I live to listen to those people, to be around them. I want to be one of those people. I am, and I've been broken, and I think we've talked about it on other shows. But one of the things uh, that it evokes when people say you're broken is my pride goes, well, I'm not broken. And my old New Jersey comes out as people mm -hmm. here. Yeah. And I go, I'm not broken. I don't know what you're, what are you talking about? Forget it. But I'll be honest with you. It's a very positive outcome. And that's when you have a new compassion, a new connection with your fellow man. I love that state of being. I feel for people that can't relate that don't, aren't, aren't, aren't good relational people. They're missing out on so much. They're insulating themselves and isolating themselves. Let me tell you, are they missing out on the value of being a human being and knowing other fellow human beings? That sharing, that reciprocation is so fulfilling and so supportive and loving. That's the best side of the human being and the human race. You've been listening the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma, 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And Peter, we've got one more section today of our broadcast, and uh, there's a couple different ways we could go, and I know that we're going to be returning to this subject, so we don't have to wrap it all up today. Um, wondered if we could uh, take a moment to look at, uh, and you can veto this, um, uh, you brought up earlier in the broadcast about how uh, Navy SEALs, other um, maybe military personnel, I would add first responders, firemen, policemen, emergency personnel, uh, are trained to function in crisis without going reflective, without um, succumbing to their fears or their emotions. Um, We've known people like that. We've 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 had uh, we could use some examples, some experiences there. Uh, there are probably uh, key things in the way they're trained that help them in these situations that we could learn from. Yeah, well, I think that's one of the things we've talked about earlier from learn, uh, learning about crisis is when we do take those moments to reflect, and and we're in the more resilient state. It, it helps us prepare for the crises to come in life. It's almost like you don't have to be a first responder or a Marine or a Navy SEAL, but life is going to challenge us at some points. You can't help it. The preparation is an understanding of certain mechanisms, certain capabilities that we have to have. And once you understand it better, you begin. You can prepare yourself without thinking always of 
terrible, paranoid, catastrophic outcomes. It's not that. But you begin to prepare yourselves in personal ways, emotional ways, uh, logistical ways, uh, how to face these difficulties. That's the beauty of going through crises and coming out the other side. You have a repertoire, you know, your own arsenal that you can draw upon to help you, to teach you, to tell you what you have to do to prepare um, and understand the realities of life better. It's not burying your head in the sand anymore with fantasy life. That that can be a real hindrance. Um, but I'll tell you what, it's also not living in a very negative space all the time. And I, I listened to your voice just now and the uh, in, just this latest intro. It's very upbeat. And we're talking about a heavy subject here, but I want to tell you something. And there is hope to all of this. Now, for you folks going through this, I just want you to hear it. Um, I wish if I knew your situations, I could probably coach you through this and mentor you through it more logistically because I know how to do that or I know the people that can. But in the more reflective moments, the meaning of all of this, there are so many benefits to this. I just mentioned one before the, the end of this part, part of this broadcast. That is, you begin to get connected with your fellow human being again. There's a compassion and an empathy and a, an appreciation for your fellow man that is only comes when you've been through this. Um, they can teach it in churches and synagogues. They can teach it wherever, but you got to live it. And when you're gone through it, the thing that comes out is a deep appreciation. I'm thinking of a fellow in our church who, uh, his name's Joe, big Joe. Love oh, him. wonderful man. There he is. And he's a, today he's a paraplegic. He's in a big wheelchair. He told me it weighs 400 pounds to have it. It weighs as much as his old motorcycles weighed. And Joe told us the history of, and it's a dark one, of what he, how he lived and um, how he fought against facing realities in life. He got high a lot. He was into drugs a lot, alcohol. Um, he knew better. Didn't matter. And the whole story is really touching. But in the he was a stubborn guy, and you could see it. He was mm-hmm. a tough guy. Stubborn he admits guy. it. Oh, he admits it. He openly. said, "I kept hearing the messages, I kept seeing the signs, and I just ignored them." Until he had a catastrophic car accident. Yes. And he was left a paraplegic, and uh, it was really when this is a man who talked about having a second chance. And what I loved about it, I've heard other people say that that really embrace it too. I've heard others, they sound like performers. I should really appreciate my second chances. Those people don't have a genuine... That genuine, authentic uh, side that you were talking about earlier. And I don't find that very good. But those that do, like Joe, you, you just hold on to every word because they mean it. They realize they've been through this for a reason and they share their experience. And he does. And he talks from such a genuine, authentic human place. A man who's carrying wounds and scars today that he may never overcome completely. But he talks about all of his mistakes and what kind of person he was. And how he didn't want to face real life. And he knew better. Part of him knew better. And he didn't want to listen to that. And this is what happened. He's humble today. He's certainly broken, and he's a true testimonial and inspiration. I can tell you, I hang on every word. I have many friends like Joe, and I love them, 
They all have broken pasts. They also have a spiritual understanding, not necessarily religious, that came out of all this, I'll tell you that. I certainly do. And it's not necessarily religious, but it's understanding there's a higher power that's in control. And um, Joe certainly talks about that today uh, for himself. It's very touching and moving. Um, I love that. I eat it up. It inspires me and keeps me going during my low moments. And I have ongoing lows too. So does he. And he goes, he goes on every day. He has to have people take care of him all the time. Um, and they do. Uh, we have that for my wife. My wife is also very inspiring. If you want to see a woman of courage, um, it's my wife. And she's a living testimonial to hanging in there every day and not giving up and appreciating every breath she takes. And she's there for me. It's amazing. She's your biggest fan. She and is. she loves listening to these podcasts. You know what? I know. I walk into her room and uh, she and the caregivers will be listening to it. And I don't know who it is they're listening to. And all of a sudden, I don't know it's me. And I'm listening to it. God, that stuff is good. And I get <laughs> Who is um, that? Yeah. And I have to say, and, and they'll say, it's you. Yeah. And Lynn just loves it. She loves it. And then I begin to sit down. And I don't have a whole lot of time like they do. And I go, God, this stuff is good. And it's really meaningful. And I need it right now because I'm going to help somebody right now. Mm-hmm. And I need a little bit of feeding. And these yeah, things we feed all do. me. We never get to where we don't need this help. Absolutely. And I want it to be not just, but it is a heavy subject. As, as our uh, station manager says, you're a heavy dude. But we don't want it to be so negative and not dark. Not negative. Nope. And I want you to know I'm probably in some ways, not in every way, more uplifted about life now and more hopeful than I've ever been. And yet I don't even know what all the outcomes will be. And if I just focus on the immediate problems, they don't always look so good. The outcomes aren't good. But in some ways, there's things that are coming out of it that offer me inspiration and hope. They humble me. I'm more human and real and genuine. I can do these broadcasts today. I eat them up because I'm a fellow traveler and human being now. Not a professional with all the degrees and credentials and PhDs and everything else. I don't come from that place, and I don't want to ever again. And when you say Dr. Bernstein, but he prefers to be called Peter, I mean it. Mm -hmm. Not everybody wants to do that, and I don't hold it against them. They can call me doctor. I'm Peter Bernstein, and you're my fellow human being. And if you got needs that I can relate to, I'll be there for you. And this is a way to reach more people. I'm so excited about that. Not just about this broadcast for our community, which I love, but it's on podcasts. And we can reach millions of people all over the world, and there's so much suffering and pain um, that they have to survive every day. We know we're involved in some in in Rwanda and Uganda and uh, Burundi, orphans that have been through terrible times. We love them. Uh, We know people that have gone through very tough times and are going through tough times. We want to reach everybody as much as we can. We want to be there for you. You know what I really want to do? What's that? I want to hear from them. And I know that the station is putting in place a telephone. A telephone link. And I am excited about that. I really want to hear from you and what you're going through and what your needs are. And if we're meeting them or not, 
Um, I've noticed that people are listening to our broadcasts. I walk or I walk down the streets and they don't say much to me, but they're listening, mm-hmm. and they seem to take a, a serious interest. Um, and I like that, but I want to hear from you, and I want to know if we're talking to where you need to be talked to, right. not talked at. I also want to know what needs to be improved and how we can improve what we're doing and how we can improve and reach out better and lift you up more and also be there for you in logistical ways while you're going through tough times. I want to speak to and dedicate this today to all the caregivers all over the world. I, I have such a respect for caregivers today, loved ones who are dedicating and devoting their lives to people who are sick or wounded uh, who will never recover. We know so many militarily. We know it personally. I'm going through it. Um, I specifically think of the Redwood Caregivers, Redwood Res- Caregivers Resource Center. They're incredible what they do for caregivers. Yes. The Alzheimer's Associations. I know there's so many out there and so many people who are in need of support. Let me tell you, if you need it, we'll find a way to be there for you. Um, these people and these organizations are doing a pretty incredible job themselves. They've been there for me, and I want to make sure I'm there for others. I want to say Jenny has been incredible. She's an impetus to, to getting this thing on going and moving. I can always count on her. She does a great job. She's got her own burdens and difficulties and challenges. She, too, has family members that are suffering and in pain that she's there for, and not just the folks that we help at our institute. And they affect her deeply. So she's not perfect, but she's amazing because she's a real, uh, she's another one, very courageous woman and very capable. But she struggles sometimes too. This stuff gets to everybody. And our triggerings are just as real as anybody else's. We take care of our own, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, We make sure that anybody who works with us gets taken care of. Anyway, it's getting time to wrap it up, right? It is. And I want to tell you, we will be back, and I hope the telephone link will be set up soon. Our technician is grimacing because they're the ones responsible, not me. But I hope it will be soon because I want to hear from you. And in the meantime, you can get in touch with us through our website. And there's a phone number to call, too. I will have some more information about that. Great. Okay, so I'll leave it up to you. I can can give that in just a moment. I want to just do a little bit of wrap-up and let people know kind of what's in store for our next next time. Uh, Tell tell me. Just to summarize just this last little bit, we started talking about how to prepare for and and then uh, navigate through a crisis. And two points that you made that, that will follow on are uh, it's important in a crisis not to bury your head in the sand, live in fantasy and denial. But on the other hand, it's important not to catastrophize all the time and mm-hmm. expect the worst. Mm-hmm. There's something else that works, something different than that. And, and, and you pointed out that it involves having a positive attitude, a positive approach. But we'll return to that and get even more specific and practical for people. Uh, I know because you wrote about it. It's right there. And I want to I want to say one other thing. We're going to have guests um, on our show that have been through this, and we're selecting them now. And they're they're people from every walk of life. And I am so excited, and so are they, to be a guest on our show. We're looking forward to it. They're true. And I hope Joe, the guy who's in the wheelchair. Yes. I don't know how we'll get him through this this small little studio, but 
I oh, Joe to... does some amazing things with that wheelchair. Yeah. I think he'll make it. <laughs> I hope so. We have others too. But I'm looking forward to that. Yes. I really am. Yeah. I am too. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson. And as Peter mentioned, uh, if you'd like to know more about our show, about us, uh, what we do here, uh, please visit our website at thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. That's thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. And there's a, a way to contact us through that website. Uh, also, we'd like to say like us on Facebook and Instagram. We have a real presence on the web, and it's growing all the time. want to thank you for listening. Wish you well. Please join us again next time.